Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. I can't think of any topic in the Bible that I find more interesting and more enjoyable to think about than this one, the will of God. I love contemplating His will because what's closer to the core of God's nature than His will? What He desires, what He likes and hates, and what He chooses. Nothing takes you deeper into the heart of God than contemplating His will. No wonder Jesus picked that as the best way to describe His family when He said, those who do the will of God are my brother and sister and mother. The chief characteristic that reveals whether you're related to Christ is if you do God's will. Think of all the different ways Jesus could have described believers. But this, doing God's will, is the heart and soul of what it means to belong to God's family. And today, James is going to show us the connection between God's will and our plans. What about making plans for the future? How do I do that properly? And James answers that in verse 15. He says, instead of having that, it's my party attitude, verse 13, here's the right way to do it, verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we'll live or do this or that. Now, there's several interesting things we need to notice about this verse. First of all, we see that, that planning is a good thing, not a bad thing. Okay, So James doesn't say, look, you don't know the future. God's in control of all that, so stop making plans. Just don't even make them. Just, just wing it. He doesn't say that. He says, instead, you ought to say, we will do this or that. So, so when he says, we will do this or that, that's, that's just a shorthand way of repeating what he said in verse 13. We will go and travel and go to the city and do business and make money and all that stuff. Go ahead and plan all that. Go ahead and plan your trip. Plan your business. Do it. Go ahead. That's good. It's good to make plans. Proverbs 6, 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard. If you're the type that doesn't want to make plans, he says, go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer, ruler, yet it stores up provisions in summer and gathers its food in harvest. Even ants, I mean, if you don't plan ahead for the future, you're dumber than an ant. Which is saying a lot because ants don't even have brains. So, so Jesus had plans uh, even in Luke 13, he said, today or tomorrow, um, I'm going to do this. Today and tomorrow, I'm going to do this mystery. Then I'm going to arrive in Jerusalem on the third day. He said that in Luke 13, 31. Jesus had plans. He even said, you plan ahead when you become a Christian in Luke 14, 28. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? This is just the way we live life. You make plans. So don't think that James is against planning. What he's against is the kind of planning that operates on the assumption that it's my party. So he says, go ahead and plan, but instead of planning your party, plan to do God's will. That's what you should plan. You ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we'll live or do this or that. I will leave on this trip on this date if that conforms to God's will. Otherwise, I don't want to leave on that date. I will go to this particular city if that conforms to God's will. This life is God's party, and I care about one thing, and one thing only, His will. 2 Corinthians 5, 9. So we make it our goal to please Him, to do His will. If I lose all my money, but I'm still pleasing God by doing His will, I'm in great shape because I'm fulfilling my purpose for life. 
But if I make $10 million and I'm, I'm not pleasing God, my life's a disaster. It's a disaster. So, so let's get in the habit every day. Just start the day by asking, what do you want me to do, God? What do you want me to do today? Same thing you do when you show up to work. What do you want me to do, boss? What is your will for me today? What's my assignment? And by the way, don't make that harder than it is. I know as soon as I say that, some of you are just stressed out beyond belief. You're just like, oh, I have no idea what God's will is. If I could just find out what God's will Some people make God's will so impossible to discover because, and here's why, because they, they measure it in terms of outcomes. So finding it in God's will becomes an impossible guessing game because you don't know what the outcome's going to be. They figure, well, I did this, and it must not have been God's will because I had a bad outcome. And, and Well, if you can't know until after the fact, then you can never know ahead of time. And, and people like that, they'll wonder, why doesn't God just make it clear? I want to do His will. Why doesn't He just write it in the sky? Pick plan, option B, not option A. I mean, why didn't He just tell me? Then I'll do it. One reason why God doesn't just tell us which option to pick is because Get this, doing God's will isn't mainly about picking the right option on a hard decision. Doing God's will, pleasing God, is mainly about fellowship with Him and drawing near to Him. That's what He's been talking about in this chapter, right? That's what He just said last time in the last passage. And submitting to Him. So the best way to discover God's will is to stop loving the world and start loving God. Love the world less, love God more. And, and stop being conformed to the world's way of thinking and adopting worldliness. That's Romans 12 too. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. If you want to know God's will, I'll tell you what His will is. It's that you love him and not the world. That's his will. If you face a really hard decision, hard business decision, hard relationship decision, whatever, how do you know what God wants you to do? He wants you to love him. If you love him and you do your best to make that decision, you're fine. You're fine. Here are the steps to knowing God's will. Okay, I got. I got to choose between option A, option B. What should I do? Well, f- first, eliminate all sinful options. Obviously, that's step one. Step two, eliminate foolish options the best you can. You use wisdom and say, I don't want to do anything unwise according to biblical wisdom. So eliminate foolish options. And then, out of the remaining options, you pick which one you desire the most, because God leads us through our desires. And just and then just rest and trust Him that He's guiding you through life. He promised to do that. And don't, don't assume that because you have a hard outcome that it wasn't God's will. Why would you assume that? That means Jesus was out of God's will. He had a hard outcome. I mean, God is not going to put his will and his guidance in your life out of your reach. Why would he do that? If he wants you to follow his guidance, why would he put it out of your reach? Now, I realize some decisions you have to make are really hard. And I don't want uh, to minimize that. But when that happens, we cry out to God in prayer, we seek His will, we seek wise counsel from the church, uh, and we, we search the scriptures, and we think hard, and all the rest. And, and so we, we have to do that, but 
Here's the thing. 99% of the decisions in life aren't like that, right? 99% of them are super easy to know God's will. Isn't that true? Your alarm goes off in the morning. That's a sign from heaven. It's God's will for you to get up and go to work, right? You're having your devotions and you're tempted to cut them short. You ask, is it God's will for me to rush through my prayer time so that I can go finish some project? Is that God's will? It's usually not that hard of a question to answer. Or is it his will that I stay focused on him right now for a few minutes? The vast majority of the time, it's just very easy to know exactly what God's will is if we'll just stop and ask the question. Right? If you say, well, my husband's not paying one bit of attention to me, he's not listening to me, next time he wants to talk, I'm just going to ignore him all evening, see how he likes it. If the Lord wills. I mean, that doesn't work, right? It doesn't work. If we get in the habit of saying, if the Lord wills, with everything we're going to plan, then that'll, that'll wake us up to, wait a second, this is not my party. Most of the time our problem isn't that we don't know God's will. Most of the time our problem is that it doesn't even occur to us to think in terms of what God's will is because we've slid back down into the error of thinking, it's my party. I don't know if I should do option A or option B because I don't know which one is going to result in the most comfort and ease and and prosperity. And that's how we're making our decisions. I don't know if I should take this job or that job because I don't know which one is going to be more pleasant. I don't know if I should commit to this ministry because I don't know if I'll like it. I don't know if I'll be comfortable. So many of our decisions are, are hard not because God's will is hidden. They're hard because we're not even seeking God's will. We're seeking our own agenda, our own comfort, and our own preferences. And, we, and that's what's tough because we don't know what will end up that way. We're trying to make this party work out well. And that's the kind of arrogance that James is talking about. And so he tells us the solution to this is that you realize your life is a mist. You don't know the future, so you should just focus all of your attention on God's will, because then you'll be fine. Then you'll latch on to something eternal, and you'll be on a ship piloted by someone who can actually see where he's going. You can see into the future. Admit your ignorance, admit your mistiness, plan submissively, plan to do God's will, whatever pleases God. Every moment you spend today thinking about the will of God will be time well spent. I don't know of anything you could do that's more beneficial to your spiritual health than that. The problem is we hardly ever think to do it. So see if you can come up with a frequent reminder. How about this? Every time you have a desire, you want some food or drink, you want someone to do something or stop doing something, you want to watch TV... As often as you can be aware of your desires, think about God's desires and how you could meld yours with His. I thank you, Lord, for revealing your will to me. Psalm 25:14 says you confide in those who fear you and you make your covenant known to them. Thank you for confiding in me, Lord. Thank you for revealing your heart to me. The time will come in the next hour or two 
when I see something or think of something or someone I really love, let that set my mind to thinking about what you really love. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Your pleasure is not in the strength of the horse, nor your delight in the legs of a man. You delight in those who fear you, who put their hope in your unfailing love. It's your desire that I walk in holiness and in gratitude and in unity with the brothers. You hate lying, impurity, unfaithfulness, pride, and arrogance. It pleases you when I pray for the salvation of government officials and others because you don't desire that anyone should perish and you want all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. It's your will that by doing good I might silence the talk of evildoers. You're pleased when I'm filled by the Spirit. So may you, the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip me with everything good for doing your will. And may you work in me what is pleasing to you. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of James. 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. And if you like listening on your phone, get our free mobile app. Install the Church One app from the Play Store and select Food for Your Soul. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.